right, so what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is just reflecting back on my uh, 35, 40 years of Christian development and saying, what were the biggies? I mean, I've probably heard hundreds, if not thousands of sermons. You know, I've had many prayers, I've been to older calls, I've been slain in the spirit, I've been left to do carpet time. But what were the big things that really helped me to continue to develop as a believer? So I'm trying to pick out my, my top 10. In fact, you know, I'd love to get a hold of Jeff one day, Jeff Smith, and say, what were your top 10, Jeff? Because they'd be worth listening to, wouldn't they? For anyone who's done as long and in such difficult places. So uh, we've looked, next slide, thank you, at um, one of the things is stop making comparisons. Uh, we ruin our lives by always trying to measure ourselves of other people, other things, other standards to measure up to our teachers' expectations, our parents' expectations. And if we can throw away the measuring rod and really embrace the fact that God has uniquely created you, uniquely made you, your thumbprint's different, your DNA is different, and your pathway is different as well. And the only person you have to compete with is a worse version of you and a better version of you. You can uh, compete with a demonic, pagan, selfish version of you, or you can compete with someone who's having Christ formed with them. And on a daily, yearly basis, you see Christ come out of their life. I think that's a game breaker for me, because if I start comparing myself with Brian Houston, I am a total loser, man. He's my age, you know. Is exactly the same age as me. You wouldn't think it to look at me, would you? But, you know, he's done all right, hasn't he? You know, but that's stupid, Mike, because I can't be a Brian Houston. I'd make a very bad Brian Houston. Or I could compare myself with some little guy down the road and, and say, well, you know, look how good I am, you know. We, we have a full church this morning, Pastor Karen. You know, it really is. Before the young ones went out, fantastic, you know. It's unwise. It's stupid, isn't it? The only thing I can do is compare myself with God's intention for me as I grow and develop. So next thing I thought was uh, we've got to fight our thoughts. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of a play on words there for those who get it. But we're to fight, demolish, and captive. Spiritual warfare is meant to be aggressive and assertive. You've got to take some effort and go to war with What's in your head? Can't play around with it. That little thought, like that little, loose kangaroo that bounces around the backyard, if you don't tame it, it will tame you. And so here's one of the great things that I've learned over the years is learning the power of spiritual warfare that not every thought I think is me. Some of it will come from the enemy. Some will come from condemnation and voices without. Some will come from the Holy Spirit. But your ability to sort that out and to take captive and to demolish strongholds and to fight with weapons that are not carnal but mighty is an absolute key for me. You know, I've had to shake some things off over the years. Things that have been said over me, little mantras, little mottos, little things. Keating, you'll never amount to anything. Keating, you'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. I've had to actually get hold of those thoughts and make them bow and submit to Jesus Christ who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I, I was considered to be a person with a mental disability in my primary school. I was put into remedial education. They thought there was something broken with me. And they were right. 
But the stigma and the labels, um, God's been able to rip them off over the years. But you've got to fight them through. You've got to fight them through. Be careful of the labels people put on you. So I think that's important. Today I'm going to talk to you about how to keep going. I think it's really good to start off the Christian race and you're all invited, get ready, set and run. And most of you here today, you've put on your your, your jogs and you're about to run. But I want to tell you, after doing this for many years, how do you keep going when it's hard? The God of the good times is also the God of the bad times. But how do you keep it going? Because guess what? It's not a sprint. It is a marrow. It's a marrow. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And uh, so I'm going to tell you one of the ways that I think has really helped me to keep things going. When everything seems to be not working and nobody likes me and everybody wants to stone me and I think I'll eat worms and, you know, <laughs> poor me, no one loves me, nobody wants me, you know. <laughs> Even I don't like me anymore. <laughs> How do you keep that going? So, yeah, so next slide. So a key text for me is uh, Hebrews chapter 12 on this particular area. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, using the New King James Version. Therefore, let's say it together, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Say endurance. endurance. Say endurance. endurance. Who loves endurance? Oh dear. Uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The word looking there is um, a word that literally means to turn away from the things that distract you and then to fix, to glue your eyes on Jesus. It's not a glance. It's not a sideways look. It's not temporary. It's a commitment to actually not look at some stuff and then to focus upon Jesus. It's an important point. Where, where are you looking? What are you gazing at? What has captured your mind's attention through that eye gate is such a big key. And so the promise here of the writer of Hebrews is that if you look to Jesus, certain things are going to happen to you. If you are ever available between 9 o'clock and 9.30, Monday to Friday in our church, our staff gather for prayer. And sometimes it's a couple of us, sometimes a lot of us, and you would always be welcome to join if you're free. And you'll hear me pray in that room, if you're listening to me over and over again, Lord, we look to you. Lord, we put our eyes on you. Jesus, we don't look at the problems and the chaos and the mess. We look at you. Because as we look to Jesus, we find that he takes care of everything and faith begins to flow. So... When you think of the famous Boston Marathon, we just had an image of 
a young British lady who crawled over the line in her marathon, but she finished, hallelujah, uh, there was a lady by the name of Ruse, who a number of years ago ran the fastest time of the Boston Marathon on record, but by about half an hour faster than anybody else. So when she crossed the finishing line, she was asked the question, Ma'am, you are either the fastest runner in the world or you are a fake. Can we talk? She'd caught a taxi. <laughs> Do you ever feel like a fraud, you know, an imposter? You know, if people really knew who you are, you know, what would they really think? And I think we all have that sense of, you know, in, insecurity in who we are. So I want to talk to you today about how to keep strong and to keep running. I am known to tell the odd little joke, so I'm trying to prepare some wonderful jokes for next week. Did you hear the one about the the man who had a sick mule? And uh, so he gets the veterinarian in, and the veterinarian checks up the mule and says, no, he's pretty sick, but we can fix him. He says, what what we'll do is... I've got uh, these white tablets. These white tablets are very strong antibiotics. And if you give these white tablets to the mule, within a couple of days, he's actually going to be amazing. He's going to bounce back and whatever. These are really strong and they really work. And he says, but if it doesn't work, we've got the red tablet. And the red tablet... Well, absolutely, it's almost double the strength of the white tablet. So the white tablets haven't hurt. Take the red tablet and that will totally cure everything. And so the farmer said, okay, that's, a, that's good, thank you. And anyway, a couple of days later, the vet calls back in to say, how are you going? And he says, well, you know, those white tablets you gave me, they were really good. That mule, he jumped up and he ran out of the store. He kicked down the barn door and he shot off over the fences, off into the neighbor's paddock. And if I hadn't taken that red tablet, I never would have caught him. (laughs) Well, I've got a couple of red tablets for you today. A couple of things that hopefully will shoot some purpose and some power into your life. Uh, What's the next slide? Thank you. I want you to listen up. So in Hebrews chapter 12, the imagery goes back to chapter 11, where there's this list of all the heroes of faith. And, you know, they're named there almost one by one. Some are named, some are the unnamed. And then these heroes of faith are suddenly picked up in the imagery of the writer as witnesses in the grandstand. So the idea is that as you're in that race, you actually have the past heroes of faith watching and observing you your mum your dad your uncle but there's also king david there's also abraham there's also ezekiel and the prophets and they're up there and they're looking at you run the race can you hear what the crowd's saying because if you can tune your ears to the crowd it will help you run the journey one of the messages i'll give you is this um you can actually have a very messed up life and still get to heaven. You can actually hear King David's champing you on. You can run. You can win. And although I've slipped up, guess what? I still found repentance and the mercy of God, and I'm okay. If you can tune your ear to what those people are saying, you can hear them applaud. People just like you and just like me, people that have failed, that have been fickle, that have not always done so well, but they've run their race and they're finished. 
and they're waiting for you to run as well. Can you hear them say, run, get up and run. Run strong. Because there is power. There's something in football, or most sports, called as the home ground advantage. One day, I hope this will take a miracle to go to a grand final where the Dockers are playing. (laughs) Dear Jesus, help all of us here. (laughs) And I hope it's a home crowd. Because half the problem with the Dockers is they get away to a hostile ground and all of a sudden they're you mug, you purple wonder, whatever they call and stuff, you know. And the crowd's hostile. I just wondered, I just wondered, if every time when Mike touched the ball, all I heard was, thank you, Jesus. Bless him. Run. If every time you picked up the ball, you heard someone saying, you can do it. You can make it. You're a star. I wonder if every time you try to do something for God or something a bit kind to change your world, that the voices around you cheered you on. What a difference that would make. Because I tell you what, we get lots of the other stuff, the criticism, the put-downs, the negatives. You can't do that. You can't do that. So listen to the crowd. Heather, uh, my, my English, I don't know quite how you say that. I will say it's Dornadin took a terrible fall during a race that would have been the end of the story for most people. Um, but what she did was so surprising, it's become now an internet meme. I might become an internet meme one day. I just hope it's for the right reasons. <laughs> it's hard to believe that it's been 22 years since Heather ran that race. She is a committed Christian, and she's saying the hardest race she still has to run today is to live powerfully for Jesus Christ. But when Heather fell over the track, At the 400 metres, it seemed like it was impossible. And she got up and she said to herself, wouldn't it be cool if I could catch them up? And she did. And the rest is now history. She does say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Could we have the video, please? That's possible.
spectacular, isn't it? It's not about the fall. It's about getting up, fixing your eyes upon Jesus and to run into his embrace. You know, when I am feeling stressed and down and like I'm hopeless, there's something that is so strong. When I just look to the end, look to the destination, none of us get out alive. None of us get alive. And if in that last moment I close my eyes and the next time they open, they behold the one who died for me, the one who rescued me, the one who made a way into my life when I'm a 16-year-old rebel away from God, a blasphemer, alcoholic, violent individual, that one welcomes me home. I start to get a bit of power. I start to get a bit of courage. I start to want to dust myself off and to start running again into the arms of the one who rescued me. So number one, there's your first red tablet. Listen to the crowd. Listen to the home crowd advantage. Others have done it and so can you. Whatever you face is common and others have made it home and so can you. The next, uh, the next slide, thank you. Yeah. Lay aside every encumbrance, every weight that so easily besets us. You know, if you want to run well, if you want to run with endurance, one of the things that the writer, I believe it to be Paul, could be Barnabas, you can look up your own scholarship on that. But when you lay that aside, there's, there's two things. There's taken off, taken off your, your bathrobe. You know, the Greeks would have worn these, this loose sheep wrapped around them. Not the sort of thing you really want to be running in. So they would strip off that outer covering and get into their running shorts, so to speak, so they can run. So the bathrobe is not evil. The bathrobe is not wrong. Everybody's permitted to wear their bathrobe, yeah? But there are some things in your life that aren't wrong but will slow you down. That's the hard thing. It's sometimes separating out the bad from the good, from the best. What sometimes we've got to do is take off stuff that's okay in the right context, but if I want to run well, I've got to put this aside. You know, it could be, uh, you know, a hobby. It could be something that takes up all your mind, attitude, whatever it might be, but laying aside that. And the other thing was the weights that so easily beset you. So the ancient runners, and some people still do this to train, would actually would put... Uh, metal shoes on or he- shoes that were weighed down with lead or something like that. And they would run with these shoes on. <laughs> you-, you can sense what would happen if you're running with those lead shoes. What happens when you take them off? It's like you feel like you can fly. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, this power, this thing, it strengthens you. This, the sin that holds you back to let that go. You know, there was this poor young man he was sat down on a bench and there was a snail sticking up in the bench and went straight into his bottom and he's sitting there and he's he's in discomfort he really is finding this very unpleasant and this good pastor comes up to him and says you you look very upset um what's what's your problem says i think i've sat on something sharp and he says well okay that's that's sad let me pray with you uh, you know, may God come and heal you and whatever, and lays hands on him, prays for him, and pastor goes off, and the boy feels a bit better, but he still has this pain in his backside. 
And then comes along a psychologist. Sorry, any, any specialists here? I'm sorry. Some of my best friends are psychologists. And uh, says, oh, you look distressed. What's the problem? He says, well, I've got this real sharp pain in my backside. In fact, it's getting a bit wet now. I think I might be bleeding. He says, okay. Now tell me, you know, when you were going through potty training, did you experience any trauma, you know, the first time they flushed away, this gift that you'd presented to the world? And out of that deep rejection of having to uh, comply with social norms, and you did it, and finally you presented this wonderful gift, and then they flushed away. Is, is that what's distressing you? You know, it's the bottom region. It might be related, you know. And the guy says, no, look, thank you very much, but no. And, uh, you know, then a little boy comes along, looks at the young man, he says, you know, I've got this, I could make this longer, you know that, don't you? <laughs> I could bring the connect group leader in, I could, bring, I could bring all sorts. But the little boy comes along and says, why don't you stand up? <laughs> why don't you get off the nail? If there's something hurting you in your life, if there's something holding you back, why don't you just stand up? Come on, why don't you just change it? I was, a number of years ago, I was um, counselling a young person who had fallen into addiction of smoking the wacky tobacco, the pyjama weed. And uh, they, they were struggling with this, and so they came to see me, and I sat down, and uh, we were talking with them, and... You know, he was saying, well, you know, I, I, I can't help myself. He says, well, why? Why can't you? Help and he says, well, I just can't. He says, well, do your friends, you know, take you to a place and hold you down? Stick a, stick a joint in your mouth and block your nose. And so eventually you're about to suffocate. And then they, is, is that what's happening? He says, well, no, not really. <laughs> and I said, okay, here's an idea. Why don't you stop? And they looked at me and said, well, no one's ever said that to me before. Well, why don't you just stop? He says, I suppose I could. And guess what? They stopped. (laughs) It's not rocket science. If you've started the Christian race, can I just cheer you on today? God bless you. Go hard for Jesus. Look to the finishing line. Put your head up. Start going on. But can I also say to you, make it easy to run. Throw away the stuff that's holding you back. Get rid of the stuff that crams in, that distracts you. Some of it's okay, but you just still need to let it go for you to run well. You could start an Armadale and literally end up anywhere in the world serving Jesus. Seriously, it could be a long race, but you've got to throw up the stuff that will hold you back. Next slide, thank you. And uh, so, listen up, uh, lay aside, second red tablet, last red tablet. Let's look ahead. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the, the writer says that as we focus upon Jesus, looking upon him, the word there is arafaro, which means to... Uh, look away from what you've, that's been distracting you and look forward. Now, I've done a little bit of running. I didn't like it. Uh, I've done... Uh, I've never been a natural sportsman. 
I got reasonably good at squash and taught Kerry Busby how to play squash for a while. And then uh, <laughs> spiting words, of course, because I'm a bit competitive. You put me on. I'm nice up here. True. I'm slightly nice up here, but put me in a squash court, uh, I turn into another animal. I want to win. <laughs> uh, so, but what you do know in racing is the one thing they tell you to do is not look behind, not to look to the left. Not, what you've got to do is keep looking straight ahead of you. They say that when you're doing mountain biking and, uh, you know, trail boat riking, the last thing to do is don't look to where you don't want to go. Because invariably that's usually where you end up going. So look to where you want to go. Where do you want to go? Well, I want Jesus. I want the King of Kings. I want the Lord of Lords. I want the one who died for me, who loved me, who's changing me. He is my heart's desire. He is my reward. He is what it's all about. So look to where you want to go. He's the best. He really is the best. And so as you look to him and consider him, the word there is analogizomai, which is to analyze, think about what he's done. Because Jesus was fully human. He bled, he sweated, he felt pain. He experienced all the trauma of what I experienced in my life, but so much more, isn't it? I mean, have you yet been nailed to a cross? Has anybody had nails put through their hands? Has anybody had that crown thrust down there upon them? He did it as a human. Yes, he was God, but he did it as a human being. And we're told that he did it because of the finish line. And you know the finish line for Jesus? The finish line was he wanted you. Wow. The finish line was he went through all that pain, all that suffering, that he might win you. Oh, wow. Wow. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and the things on this earth will grow strangely dim as we turn our eyes upon him. You know, when you think about it, when I get into my self-pity and I start saying, Lord, you don't know what it's like to be lonely. Then I look... Actually, he does. Lord, you don't know what it is to be in pain. Actually, he does. Lord, you don't know what it's like to be abandoned by everybody you know, to be misunderstood, to be criticized, to be spat upon, to be lied about. Actually, he does, doesn't he? He knows. And he ran anyway. And now he waits for you at the finishing line. So the ancient games were very different to what they are in these days, although we've attempted to bring back those ancient games. But the first thing is that when the runners would run in the foot race, back in those days, you were allowed to play nasty. Uh, today... You are required to stick in your lane. You're not allowed to trip people out. You're not allowed to elbow them. You're not allowed to push them out of the way. But in the ancient world, that was part of the race. You could have almost a mobile wrestling match going up as you're pushing people aside. And that's why Paul says in Galatians, don't let anybody cut in on you. 
Don't let anybody take you out. You've got to run and run strong because there are going to be people and, and, and things in your life that want to push you off course. But keep your eyes on the prize in Jesus. And in the ancient games, you wouldn't just run through and burst at that uh, ribbon. The judge himself would sit there holding out the reward. He'd be holding out that laurel wreath. And so what you'd be doing, you'd be actually running to the judge. You're running to Jesus. You're running into Jesus. You're running into Jesus. And he's got a smile on his face and he wants you to win. And there's his prize. There's his prize. So look ahead. Look ahead. The message version, I think, does this really well. Next slide, I think. The message version puts it this way. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging your faith, go over this story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he ploughed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your soul. <laughs> Give me some spiritual adrenaline. <laughs> Think about Jesus and you're going to have power. Think about what he did and you'll run to the end. You'll finish well. So Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you know there's a race marked out for you? And it's different to mine. And it's different to David's. It's different to, to everyone. We all have a race that's unique to us. We are required to run that race. Keep our eyes upon Jesus. Listening up to the crowd that are cheering us on, those great examples of life, laying aside the things that will trip us up and slow us down, and ultimately looking ahead to Jesus welcoming us home. Another music team up, the worship team, thank you. One of my favourite stories comes from a, a true incident that took place in the 1950s where a lady wanted to successfully swim between England and France. So this was before Brexit, before the tunnel. And so she is a long-distance female swimmer. She would be breaking a record when she was doing this. And based on uh, the, number, the distance and the weather, it would take her about one day one night, and then hopefully she'd be arriving there so like in the next morning to swim the 26 miles from point to point. So she got down on the beach there in England and she's all larded up. They would get this animal fat and they'd pour it all over you. 
This is before there were a lot of things like wetsuits and things. And she would uh, jump into the water. She had broken lots of other records before. And as she's now swimming off towards the continent, there's uh, her coach with her who's in a small boat and they're rowing alongside of her just to try and make certain she's okay. You know, if she was to get into trouble, there's a rescue boat there, sharks, etc. So they're rowing next to her and she's swimming away. And uh, unfortunately, the weather turns nasty during the evening time. Instead of it being a, a relatively smooth swim, it, the chop started to increase. It started to get a lot rougher and that makes uh, your swimming a whole lot harder. And she's now beginning to swallow water. You know, she's like reaching up to breathe and the wave breaks in her face and she gets her mouth full and starts to choke. It's getting really difficult. She's now finding it difficult. Uh, hypothermia setting in. She's starting to feel cold. She's now vomiting in the water. She's swimming. She's, it's getting hard now. And... Uh, we don't know quite what time it is because it's in the dark in the night time. A fog had descended and so there was no bearings going on in terms of if you could see the stars or any lights. And in that moment, she starts to say to her coach, uh, I can't do this anymore. I really, I'm beat, I'm done. And the coach said, you know, like all good coaches do, oh, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And, you know, stay there, stay committed. And so she swam a bit more. But she was tired. You know, you could see the powers going out of those arms. She was ill. She's now bobbing up and down more than making progress at all. And uh, she starts saying, look, I, I really, I, please take me forward. I can't go on. And he says, just, just give me another half hour. You can just, you, just go a little bit more. Just do a little bit more. And so she went to the nth point of her energy, what she believed to be her capacity and swam, and in about another half hour's time, she said, that's it, I'm done. And they took her from the water. She's actually quite ill now. She's taken to a hospital. She's, um, she's passes out. She's in a coma. And about three days after this in the hospital, he wakes up, and the coach is there, and the family there. And then all of a sudden, all these reporters burst into her hospital room, and they say to this lady says, do you know that when you were taken from the water, you only were two miles from the coastline? You'd almost finished. And she burst into tears. And she says, I don't know if you believe me, but if I could have just seen it, if could have seen a light, if I could have seen the coastline, I know I could have finished. And, and it's we know that to be true. We know there's something about that hope, that sight, that horizon, that vision that can pull things out of you didn't even know that you had. If I could have just seen the shore, I would have made it. Ladies and gentlemen, can you keep your eyes upon Jesus? Because you'll make it. You'll make it. Let's stand and... Um, In the river? <laughs> I'm the boss. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray that in all the words that I've said this morning, that, Lord, something of that, a strand of that, Lord, a, a meme of that, Lord, 
a Twitter of that, Lord, would have spoken to our heart of what you're saying to us, what you're saying to me today. And Lord, we probably have close to 300 people here, but Lord, speak personally to every heart here today. Lord, about what they're listening to, open up their ears to hear the encouragement of the saints, the example of the saints. Lord, that we could also hear those things that you're just putting your finger on. So, yeah, I'd like you to let go of that, drop that off, strip down to what's going to help you run and win. And, Lord, that we'd put our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, we all have issues, we all have problems. May we set our eyes upon you. And, Lord, have you shoot adrenaline into our very souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, yeah, we'll do the river. <laughs>